Well, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to look at the person beside you, and I want you to say to them, God is going to talk to me today. Go ahead. Now I want you to say, it's about time, so pay attention. Go ahead. There you go. Now you feel better about things, right? God wants to talk to you today, and it's about time. So let's pay attention. I want you to take your Bible and look in two places. Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12. That's our theme verse, which we'll read from the screen in a few moments. Then look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. We're continuing our summer sermon series called Go for the Goal. Our goal is to help our lives to be lived in such a way that one day we stand before the Lord in heaven and hear Him say to us, Well done, good, faithful servant. In the past several Sundays, we've talked about how we can live our lives in such a way to stand before the Lord and hear those words, Well done. We first talked about how we've got to think right. We've got to think right about who we are, and we've got to think right about who God is. Then we said we've got to aim right. We've got to set our lives on the, the right course and in the right direction. And then we said it's imperative that we learn to act right. And how we act as the people of God says a great deal about who we are as God's people and as the church and last week, we talked about how we've got to stay right, how we've got to stay on course, how we've got to stay in the right lane with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Today, as followers of the Lord, we want to talk about how to finish right, how to finish right. In Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul gives us our theme verses and I want you to read those out loud with me as they come up on the screen, please. Paul said, Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, Forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. It was 7 p.m. at night, October the 20th, 1968. Only a few thousand spectators remained in the Mexico City Olympic Stadium. It was a cool, dark evening. The last Olympic marathon runners had finished the race in exhaustion and been carried to the first aid tents. The medals had been awarded gold, silver, and bronze. More than an hour earlier, an Ethiopian runner had won the gold medal finishing in first place the 26-mile marathon. The remaining spectators, thinking that the race was over, the awards had been handed out, started to leave when they heard police sirens and police whistles. 
All eyes turned toward the entrance of the Olympic Stadium where a lone marathon runner wearing the colors of the nation of Tanzania came through the entrance of the Olympic Stadium. His name was John Stephen Aquari, the last man to finish the race. Watch the video. At the 1968 Mexico City Marathon, three men earned the right to stand on the victory platform, the winners of the gold, silver, and bronze Olympic medals. But for some, the reward is a personal one, the knowledge that they finished what they set out to do. A little over an hour after the winner of the marathon crossed the finish line, John Stephen Aquari of Tanzania approaches the stadium the last man to complete the journey. A voice calls from within to go on, and so he goes on. treated. He was told that he could not finish the race. And when he was told he couldn't finish the race, he got up from the first aid station and began to walk. And then he began to run. And he made a statement that we all need to hear about finishing the race. He said, my country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. If you're here today and you're a child of God, listen to me, you are in the race. The race is not always easy. The race is sometimes very difficult. There are lots of obstacles along the way and along the trek of the marathon that we call life. We started the race the moment we trusted our lives to Jesus. 
and ask him to forgive our sins and be the Lord of our lives. But there is before us a finish line. Here's the thing. Unlike a quarry who knew there was a finish line at the end of 26 miles, you and I don't know when we will come to the finish line. We might come to the finish line today. We might come to the finish line a year from now, 10 years from now, 30 years from now. We don't know, but here's what I know. We're in the race right now. And the finish line is ahead of us. And at the finish line, as a child of God, we want to hear God the Father say to us, well done, good and faithful servant, don't we? When we come to the passage of Scripture in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and in verse 8, the Apostle Paul is coming to the finish line of his life. He is about to die in a Roman prison cell for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. He understands that his time is limited. So he writes to his son in the ministry, Timothy, to encourage him and challenge him on how to run the race of life and finish right. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse 6, we read these words. Paul says, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time for my departure is close. He's talking about dying. Here's what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. In the future... There is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but to all those, all those who have loved His appearing. The question before us this morning is this. If I am a child of God in the race of life, how can I know that I will finish right? How can I finish right? Paul's life here serves as an example for us. He got to the very end of his life, and he was reflecting back on how he ran life's race. He thought about how he started and Paul's start was not right. He didn't start out as the Apostle Paul. He started out as Saul, the persecutor of the church. He started out as the one who killed Christians. He started out as an absolute terrorist to the church. That's how he started. But that's not how he finished. You see, it's important for you to understand this morning. It doesn't matter how you start. What matters is, how do you finish? 
You may have started wrong. You may have had everything against you growing up in your family, in this world, by your environment. You may have had everything going against you. You may have made lots of poor choices along the way. You may have made some really silly decisions along the way. But here's what I know. At some point in the life, you have a choice to start down life's narrow road with Jesus Christ. And even when you've started down that road, it's going to be a difficult road. Jesus said it's going to be hard. He said the road is narrow. Only a few follow it, but it's a road that leads to life. But on that road, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be lots of distractions. There's going to be lots of ways to get off the road and to take detours. There's going to be times when you may be broke down on the side of the road. But it doesn't matter where you start. The question before us this morning is based on wherever you are on the road, Will you get on the road, and how will you finish today? That's the question. Everybody in this room can choose, starting right now, how you finish. And you can choose to finish right. Paul said, I lived a life that mattered. A life that was not wasted. I leave this life as a winner in the eyes of God and others. And Timothy, I want you to follow this example. What's the example? How do we finish right and hear well done? What were things that we see right here that Paul had that we need? Number one, there must be a fervency to win. There must be a fervency to win. We see that right there in verse number six. Paul lived his life knowing that one day he was going to depart this life. Knowing that one day he was going to stand before the Lord and he was going to give an account of all that he was and all that he did. On that day, he knew he already possessed the, the prize, the present of God's salvation the gift of God's salvation he had no doubt about that he had been saved what he lived his life each day for was to receive the prize of heaven the rewards of heaven the blessings of heaven he wanted to hear heaven's praise as God the father said to him well done now here's the key pay attention here's the key since Paul knew the day would come when he would stand before the Lord, he did not wait until the last minute to get ready. Now let me say that again. Here's the key. Because Paul knew he was going to have to stand before the Lord, he didn't wait till the last minute to get ready. Paul knew there was way too much at stake and too many lives were on the line for him to live for himself and his own purposes. He wanted to live a life of significance right then and right there. He wanted to live a life that was counted on. He wanted to live a life that made a difference, not out there in the future sometime, but right then and there. If that's your goal today, then you need to decide that you need to have a fervency to win. How do you win in this life? Don't you want your life to count? 
Don't you want your life to make a difference in the lives of others all around you? Yesterday, we were in this room, and we had a memorial service for Bob and Linda Tiemann. Now, if you didn't have the privilege of knowing Bob and Linda Tiemann, they were two of the finest people you've ever met. It was amazing to watch their children and then their grandchildren walk up on this stage and stand here and say, here's what my grandmother and my pop taught me about the Word of God and about Jesus. Their lives counted. They made a difference. They left a legacy. They didn't wait to the end. They lived their life every day pouring into their children, pouring into their grandchildren the things of God so that their life left a legacy. Their life counted because of Jesus Christ. And I can assure you when they crossed the finish line seven months apart, they heard the words, well done, good and faithful servant. What are you going to hear? You see, you're not on this earth by accident to waste your life. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. That's the way Paul lived his life. He wanted to get the prize. He said, if you're going to be in the race, you might as well be the winner. Seek to make a difference. Let your life count for something. Be passionate about the things of God. Seek to live out His purposes for your life. Realize that you're on this earth for the reason of living out the purposes of Almighty God. Stop settling for the world's second place. Don't be a bronze medal father or mother or brother or sister or worker or co-worker or Sunday school member or church member. Go for the gold. Gold out there to be the winner of it all. So here's the question you've got to ask yourself this morning. How do I want to finish? Paul says there must be a fervency to win. Secondly, he says if you're going to finish well, not only must there be a fervency to win, there's got to be a focus on your witness. You've got to focus on your witness. Now, this is important to see for us this morning. Paul is coming to the end of his life. He's about to cross the finish line. He's about to stand before the Lord. And he was thinking back over his life about his priorities he had felt on his life about how he tried to serve God and serve others. He was evaluating the witness of his life. He wondered to himself, did my life really count for something bigger than me? Did I make a difference? Was there something significant that can be said about my life and ministry? And here's how he answered the question in verse 7. You read it. He got to the end of his life, he's coming to the end of his life, and he said, let me sum it up. This has been my witness. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And the most significant statement of it all, I have kept the faith. If you are crossing the finish line today, Would that be the witness of your life? Could you say, I've, I fought a good fight? You know what that means? That means that in this world, in the spiritual battle, 
I drew a line in the sand, and I stood firm against the schemes of the devil. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. What does it take to focus your witness today to make sure that you finish right? Well, I'm glad you want to know, because I'm going to tell you. It takes two things. Number one, you've got to have a clear direction. You need a clear direction. Paul did not wait to the end of his life to decide what kind of life and legacy he would leave behind. He decided many years before these words were ever written. Many years before he came to the end of his life, Paul set a very clear direction for his life. He said, the direction of my life is to make sure I stay in the fight, to make sure that I finish the race well, and to maintain an unwavering faith in God. That was his purpose. That was his goal. That was the mission statement of who he was and how he got out of bed every day to live his life. So if I was to ask you to write down the direction your life is taken right now, what would you write? Could you write down that you're moving closer to Jesus? Could you say that you're moving toward the finish line? Or would you have to say, honestly, Pastor, I'm going the wrong direction. I'm broke down on the side of the road. I've gotten distracted and I'm detoured over here. Like I said last week, the good news is if you're a Christian today, you may be on the side of the road, but you're still in the race. And you can get back on course right now when you repent of sin. If you're going the wrong way, if you're off course, you can turn and change the direction of your life by repenting and coming back to God. Here's the thing. It isn't enough for you just to think to yourself, boy, I really want to do something with my life. That's not going to get it done. At some point, you've got to determine the clear direction you want your life to take. Paul said in Philippians 3, 13 and 14, our theme verse, he said, One thing I do, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. One of the things I like about what Paul said right there, you could tell Paul wasn't Baptist because he didn't say, I'm piddling around doing two or three monotonous things that don't make any difference. It's not what he said. He said, this one thing I do. He said, I'm going to forget about the past. He said, I'm not going to dwell on the past. He said, I'm not going to dwell on the past hurts, pain, regrets, and mistakes. And that's something good for us to understand. That's where we need to be today as well. Because all of us have hurt. All of us have pain. We've all made mistakes. We all have failures. And we cannot allow those things from the past to determine who we are in the Lord Jesus Christ today in the present or what we're going to be for the Lord going forward. The past is past. Paul said, I'm not going to live in the past. And we need to stop letting the past determine who we are today and who we're going to be going forward. Maybe you've had a major failure in your life. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've experienced grief. Whatever it is, today it's time to stop where you are and it's time to start straining toward what is ahead. It's time to fight the fight. It's time to finish the race. It's time to keep the faith. You need to have a clear direction. Secondly, not only a clear direction, you need to have a convicting discipline. A convicting discipline. Now, here's what I know about people. We don't like discipline. Who likes discipline? I don't know a single child that likes discipline. I mean, if you're a child that says, oh, I'm so thankful I got in trouble, you're a weirdo. 
Nobody likes to be disciplined. Nobody likes accountability. None of us do. None of us do. And we don't like self-discipline especially. But Paul realized that in order to focus on the witness of his life toward others, in order to fight the good fight, in order to finish the race, in order to keep the faith, he was going to have to learn to live a life of discipline. In other words, there was going to be some things in his life and some people in his life he was going to have to say no to in order to say yes to the things of God. There was some good things in life he was going to have to say no to in order to say yes to the great things. There were some temporary things he was going to have to say no to in order to say yes to some things that were eternal. He was going to have to deny himself some things so that he might obtain something better for his life than what the world offered. He wanted to have a life of significance. He wanted his life to count. And in order for that to happen, there needed to be some discipline in his life. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. We read these words in Proverbs 13, 4. The sluggard or the lazy craves and gets nothing. But the desires of the diligent or the disciplined are fully satisfied. Some people believe that if I'm going to really, really follow Jesus, then there's a lot of things in life that I'm going to be cheated out of. If I really commit my life to Jesus, then I'm going to miss out on some things in life. I'm going to cheat myself out of some real joys of life. Let me just tell you something. That's a lie straight out of the pit of hell. Satan lies to you. He wants you to believe that being faithful and committed means that you're going to have an unfulfilled, an unsatisfying kind of life. It, but that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundant. You can have it complete. You can live up to your potential. It can be a life that is full and satisfied. So think about it for just a moment. What are some things or some people in your life that you need to start saying no to so that you can start saying yes to Jesus? Remember, as a follower of Jesus, you're still in the race. If you're here and you haven't been too focused on your witness for Jesus up till today, then it can all change right now. And the only person who chooses that is you. Right now, you can set a brand new, clear direction for your life. What is it going to be? What will you stand for starting today with your family member and your friends and your co-workers and your teammates and your schoolmates? What will you be known for when you cross the finish line? You see, you've got to have a convicting discipline in your life that will help you say no to the things and the people that would rob you of the joy that only Jesus can give you. There must be a fervency to win. We need to have a faithful witness. One final quick thing. We must choose to finish well. We choose to finish well. You see, there in verse 7, Paul described 
how by focusing on his witness he was able to finish well. Fought the good fight, kept the faith. And then in verse 8, he talks about the prize of heaven. What does it look like when you finish? Well, he said, in the future, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, not only to me, but also to all who have loved and longed for his appearing. Two things we see here about finishing well. Paul says there is a promise at the finish line. A promise at the finish line. You see, the very moment we trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the present of salvation. It's a gift, a free gift that God gives to us. You can't work for it. You cannot earn it. You can only receive it as a present, as a free gift of God, by trusting your life to Jesus and asking him to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life. It is then that you enter into the spiritual marathon we call life, the present of salvation. But once you come to the end of this life, once you come to the end and the finish line, there awaits for you the prize of salvation, which is promised to all who fight the good fight, finish the race, and keep the faith. Paul tells us he wants to receive the crown of righteousness from God. Now, what does that look like? Well, we just had the Tokyo Olympics, and we all know that the ones who, who finished first, second, and third, what did they do? They put around their neck a medal, a gold, silver, or bronze medal. But back in the days of Paul, when the Greek Olympics started, that's not what the winner received. The winner would receive a wreath that would be placed on his head. It was made out of, you know, out of, out of leaves and flowers and, and things that, that, would, that would all be there. And it would be this beautiful wreath placed on his head. It was known as the victor's crown. And he would bow his head and receive the crown. And everyone would cheer because the race had been finished and the one, the one who had received the crown had won. Paul says, I'm living for that moment when I receive from the Lord the victor's crown. When he says to me, well done, good, faithful servant. For it is what you and I strive for to receive the recognition, not of this world, but the recognition of God the Heavenly Father who says, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my kingdom. Receive the crown. For when we receive the victor's crown upon our heads, we know that we have finished well. But it is at that moment, the Bible says, there in the book of Revelation, that we take the victor's crown off our heads. And we place him at the feet of Jesus because he's the only one who is worthy. A promise at the finish line. But not only that is there is a provision at the finish line. There's a provision. I'm thankful that Paul added this. He said, and, and I want to receive this crown that is for me on that day. And then he added this little line. And here's where you and I come in. He said, and not only to me. I like that. Oh, that's good. Not only to me, but to all who have loved or longed for his appearing. Wow. <laughs> Man, that's so good. You know why that's good? Because that included you and me, guys. That's us. Paul said, not only can I receive it, but you can too. You can too. 
If you'll live in obedience to the Lord and as his child, if you will obey his commands to do his work, if you will focus on the witness for him and finish well, you'll be rewarded with heaven's praise. It's all about finishing right as God's people. Let's wrap this up and get to the invitation today. In the famous Swiss Alps, on the border of Switzerland and Italy, stands the mighty Matterhorn, cascading out of the ground for some 14,692 feet. There it is, a picture of it. Isn't it beautiful? That's the Matterhorn. You've probably seen pictures of it. You've probably heard of it. The first successful ascent or the first successful climb to the top of the Matterhorn took place on July the 14th, July the 14th, 1865. And seven men got together and they climbed the Matterhorn. Since 1865, listen to this, over 500 people have died died on the Matterhorn. Over 500 people. In fact, there is a cemetery at the Anglican Church in Zermatt, which is known as the Mountaineers Cemetery. There's a picture of it for you to see right there. And there lay the bodies of a majority of the 500 people who died on the Matterhorn. You say, well, Pastor, that's great. What's the significance of that? Let me tell you what the significance is. You see, the 500-plus people who died on the Matterhorn, they did not die climbing the Matterhorn. They died coming back down. They started. They got to the top. But they never finished. They died coming back down. They couldn't and would never finish right. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. And this morning right now in the room, I told you right up front, the Lord's going to speak to you. And you said, the Lord's going to speak to me today. And he has, hasn't he? It doesn't matter if you're in this building, you're out there watching online, the Lord's spoken to you right now. So the question is, have you started the race? Has there been that time in your life when you've trusted your life to Jesus and you've been saved by asking the Lord to forgive your sin and be the Lord of your life? If not, today that's where it begins for you. The race starts today by praying and trusting your life to Jesus. No more excuses. You say, I'm not sure how to do that. Listen, there'll be folks standing right here at the front. I'll be here. Uh, Brother Mike, Brother Alex will be here. Angel will be here. Listen, we'll talk to you. Uh, nobody's going to embarrass you in any way. They're not going to put you on the spot, make you quote Bible verses. They're not going to make you say anything. They just want to talk to you and pray with you. Today, you can receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You can start the race. Some of you are here, and you know that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you've started the race. But where are you on the course? Are you going to finish well? 
Are you going to finish right? If you finished right now, if the Lord returned right now, or if he called you home right now, would you finish right? Would you be where you wanted to be? Would you be leaving behind the legacy and the testimony and the witness that you want? Or would you be embarrassed? Would you hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant? Good news is you're still in the race. Christian today, you can get your life on course. You can stop going the wrong way and start going the right way. The Bible calls that repentance. It can happen right where you are. It can happen right here at this altar today. Change the course before it's too late.